Hello and welcome to Thriving in Intersectionality, a podcast created to help you learn from professionals in the workplace who have multiple intersectional identities, from ethnic minorities, veterans transitioning into the workforce, individuals with disabilities, parents, and so many more. My name is Lola Adeyemo. I am the CEO of EQI Mindset and the founder of the nonprofit Immigrants Incorporate Inc. I work with organizations to build inclusive workplaces. This podcast was built to amplify the voices of leaders and immigrants in the corporate workplace and to give insights and guidance so people can move past their barriers and advance in their professional careers. Through interviews and solo episodes, I'm going to examine this global world of work. I know that you can learn a thing or two from my guests who have a range of experiences and stories to share. Join me as we meet new people who are successfully navigating the corporate space. Hello and welcome to the Thriving in Intersectionality podcast. My guest today is someone that I had so much fun recording with, getting to know and following the work that she's doing, Charita Washington. She's a global DEI strategist and a consultant for executive leadership. Charita graduated from Lincoln University of Missouri with her undergrad in journalism, and she has an MBA in public administration. She's a member of the Delta Sigma Theta Sorority, Inc., and at her current company, she is the global co-president for the ERG supporting Black employees. Charita is a passionate advocate for diversity, equity, and inclusion um, in North America and scaling them internationally. And she also has a blog about her experience as a Christian, www.h2o2wine.com. I know you would enjoy this conversation, which I think is going to be the first of many because there was just so much that Charita had to offer here. And yeah, make sure you share, subscribe, and looking forward to sharing Charita's insights with you all. Thank you. Are you a corporate professional who is an immigrant or a child of immigrant? Are you looking for a community of support to advance your corporate career? Immigrants Incorporate, IIC, is a nonprofit that is building a community for you. Come and join us on Facebook. The Facebook group is Immigrants Incorporate. Belong and thrive in the workplace. See you there. All right, here we are on the Thriving in Intersectionality podcast, and I'm here with Charita. Hi, Charita. Hey, thank you for having me. Thanks for joining. I am excited to um, have you share a lot of the insights that you have as much as we can get into this short time frame. So let's go. So let's meet you, Sherita. Can you share a little bit about yourself, your background with us? Absolutely. Um, outside of being an Amazon DEI um, leader, I am the daughter of two retired Army soldiers. Um, mom was from D.C. I mean, mom was from Detroit. Dad was from D.C., um, I grew up in a really small town where normally it was just me and maybe one other person who looked like us. 
And then I got to join my HBCU, Link University, Missouri, where I got to have the, the Wakanda experience of education and academics and fellowship. Um, I liked it enough that I stayed for my master's. So <laughs> I got that from Lincoln University as well. Go Blue Tigers. Um, I'm a proud member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. If I don't say that, they're going to call me out. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm a proud mother of the most beautiful, most intelligent little girl in the world. Don't argue with me. She's mine. I can be biased. That's the one thing in my life I can be biased about. Um, I carried her for eight and a half months. She's mine. Um, the, mama, the mama claim right there. Yes, yes. <laughs> Battle me if you want to. Um, but yeah, I just, I'm a black woman who just wants to lift up other black people. And I want um, anyone who doesn't identify as that to learn some lessons on how to be a stronger partner in the world. Because life is hard enough without wondering who you can and can't trust to the left and the right. So I just want to leave some some crumbs to success and partnership. And your podcast is the perfect place to kind of share that. So thank you again for having me. Oh my gosh, you packed a lot into that background and introduction and exactly why why I do this because I know that especially for people working in the corporate workspace, uh, there's a lot of hats that gets put on you by virtue of your day job and then your title. Uh, so I, I love to really spend time on the introduction because I want people to put to know that, you know, behind everybody's title or whatever, there's a background, there's multiple intersections and you know, thank you for sharing about your daughter. I have a almost seven year old as well. So that's about the same age. We got to get them virtually connected. We need that iron to sharpen iron as soon as possible. Yes, please. Yes, please. And we <laughs> need a break. <laughs> you know what? And we need a break so we can get we them do need a break. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Thanks for, thanks for sharing your background. So, right. Let's talk about your ERG experience and your yeah. career path. So, Tell us a little bit about your why for ERGs, uh, because that's an additional job. Basically, you have to to two roles at your company. So tell us about why did you get involved? How did you get involved? Um, yeah, you're right. It's two roles, and there's one I get paid to do. So I better be passionate about the other one. Um, I, I will say I started off in operations and um, in Amazon, and I didn't know our ERGs existed at first. I was so busy trying to learn my business, trying to trying to not be behind the curve. Um, I was I was really just trying to be part of the crew, which sometimes even at that point didn't look like me either, right? So um, in my next career move, I was still in operations, but I was put in a bigger facility. So obviously where there's more people, there should be more black people and I found them. Um, and as I got connected and started building community, um, I realized that we had this wonderful ERG, we call them affinity groups. Um, this one was called the Black Employee Network, um, also known as Ben. So you'll hear me say Ben the rest of the day. It's not my boo, it's my organization. Um, <laughs> but in Ben, in the St. Louis node where I'm, where I'm based out of now, um, there were so many things that I didn't realize we could do in connection um, with our ERGs or with some of them. Um, ben is put together of any building, any business line within a 30 mile radius. So if you're in a city like St. Louis, that's about five to seven buildings um, before those are even starting to be built now. Mm -hmm. So virtually we were connected in a chat. And then of course the pandemic hit. So all we had was the chat, but the minute we were able to get outside, we did a picnic at the arch. Um, we did play days with kids. Um, when we couldn't meet in person, we did professional development workshops. Um, I just got done talking about one of my most proud moments um, where one of our members, his name is Kellen. I always got to shout him out by name. 
um, he came to us as um, he was the vice president with me, who he was might as well been our co-president, right? And he says, Sharita, we need to do something for the black men in mental health. Like, what can we do? What can we put together? I got a friend who's a professional. Can we put something together for our people? And it was literally putting the men in mental health. And it was a beautiful fireside discussion where these black men were just encouraging each other. And of course, in true community, the black women were encouraging them to encourage each other. How do we break the stigma? How do we get together? And how do we do better for the next generation? Because I'm going to tell myself I'm about to be 36 in a month. And it's still difficult for some elders in my family to accept, why would you go to therapy? You're not crazy. Like breaking down that stigma which can be a trauma on top of traumas so when i realized in our little node because amazon's a global community that if we can have this impact here if we can make people feel not so alone virtually then like what else can we do um i ended up being part of a a summit that took place last august and it's still the most beautiful thing i've ever been part of until we plan the next one <laughs> um so i told you that and i'm sure you have experiences too where when you go into corporate worlds you don't see a lot of brown faces you don't see a lot of black people you don't see a lot of anyone who has you know more more melanin in the system right and i was in this room in seattle especially as you advance right especially yes ma'am and we were in this room in seattle it was a conference room that we hosted this summit in and the theme was a different world. So you can get the theme song stuck in your head now because it was playing. And I looked around and there was um, Keisha Cole's Love was playing in the background. And like all of us were like humming to ourselves. Like, you know, you're kind of conditioned to don't be so loud. Don't cause attention to yourself. And we looked around because, you know, that one part of the song came where you got to hit that note. And we <laughs> looked around and there was like this overwhelming feeling of safety. Mm-hmm. Uh, this feeling of hold up we can we can do this it's just us nobody's who's gonna judge us who's gonna check us and it was like the loudest outburst of love I won't say if it was on key or off key but I will tell you your girl was trying <laughs> but it was something about that feeling that set off the rest of that two and a half day summit and there were 80 black leaders um wow. the entry level leader is L4 at Amazon um vice presidents are L6 and vice presidents were in the room and it wasn't to teach us about our ERG or affinity group experience. It was to learn with us and learn from us. And when I tell you, like, it's the closest thing I've gotten to my HBCU homecoming experience since not being an undergrad anymore. Mm-hmm. And it was something that instilled in me that if there's an opportunity to be on this global board, to be part of this, to curate for the next, I'd say next generation of leaders, but, you know, for those to come, I want to be part of this. And originally I was going to run for director of culture because I was on the subcommittee. So it was the next logical step for me. And I was speaking with one of my mentors and they had just put out the election email that if you want to run, here's your window, here's your expectations. Oh, and you can run for two roles. If you get both, you can pick one. Cool. So I asked my mentor, I'm pretty sure I may not get elected to one. So what should the other one be? (laughs) And she said, I think you should run for my position. And I said, yeah, but you're president. And she said, I know, I think you should run for president. So um, I ran and they reached out to me and said, which one do you want? Because you want both. And president, I guess, like, let's, <laughs> let's do that. Oh and um, that's awesome. It's amazing. Last year's board was, um, well, last year's presidents were comprised of three women and one man. Um, and this year is three men and one woman. So we, we kind of swapped. 
and um, this beautiful soul, um, all of our co-presidents are awesome, but one had reached out, his name was Paul, and he said, we need to make sure that we agree right now for the sake of all the people who are going to look up to us, that if we ever have a moment of disagreeing, we don't show it. So if we know that there's going to be a conflict of interest, let's let's make sure we sidebar so that we can always show a united front to our people because they don't get that enough. Mm. And I told him, I got you, but let's keep in mind, I'm outnumbered. <laughs> there's three of y'all, one of me. And um, he he honestly, in the most in the most respectful, and I'll be honest with you, in the most um in the most loving yet accountable tone, I'll say it like that. He said, "Do you understand how powerful the words of a black woman?" are he said you don't need to be he's like you're not outnumbered by us because you can out talk us he said you can outwit us and you can outsmart us so he said let's always make sure that you feel heard and he said let's also make sure that as the strong black woman you are this is not to be a pun he genuinely feels that way that let's also make sure that we demonstrate what a healthy relationship looks like between black men and black women because we have a lot of people including ourselves who've been traumatized by either somebody who was talked down to by their single mother, somebody who had a father who left, or, you know, things that we're always healing from. So let's always be intentional to show what healthy and healing Black leaders look like. And when we had that conversation, ever since then, even on days that we may not all agree, that's always the center of what we do. Because I never realized how much people noticed me. I was always the one or two black girls in class. So it's easy to get lost in the crowd when you're a black dot on a white sheet, right? So being in this position, um, there's so many individuals. I just got off a call who was like, you spoke last week and I had chills and I wanted to speak to you. And I'm like, what did I say? Because you've done it so much that it's become so natural. And and I just I just love listening to you right now. I, I, I feel so inspired by just... The moments you're sharing is is something we don't get a lot of, especially in the corporate workplace, the examples of leadership, the things that make a difference that maybe we don't even think about, right? Like even you responding and saying, I got you, but you know I'm outnumbered. That is the default that we all would think if we're ever placed in that position is, okay, okay, just say yes to whatever they say. We got to, you know, put up a good phrase. We got to understand. Like, you will say that internally. You probably wouldn't say that out because you are trying, you're thinking it, and then you're letting it guide your action. So I, I love um, how you talk about that dynamics even happening, even among, you know, black, black people, black organization, because we are different gendered. And, and okay, so that also takes us to the fact that we are recording this in... Women History Month, so this is still March. This is still hashtag embrace equity and <laughs> whatever that means. I know I've been feeling weird with the whole hog thing this year. I'm like, when it comes to equity, it's a long game, okay? It's not really a one-month conversation. Um, Same with Black History Month, agreed. Yeah, and, and you know, right after Black History Month. So any thoughts on that? I know you probably had a busy, busy month. Busy, busy couple of weeks in terms of, you know, women history and embrace equity. Any thought around that and, and some of the things going on? Um, well, something I'm super proud to be part of, I, I want to give credit where credit's due. This is a Jillian Blackwell and Amber Tucker um, production with all the beautiful women that they've collaborated. Um, but the last week of Black History Month, which is the perfect intersection, um, we launched Ben Women. 
and it is the only intersectional ERG that Amazon has at the moment. Of course, everyone has a natural intersectionality. There is a women ERG. Yes. And then there's a black, which is Mm -hmm. the black, uh, the Ben. Yep. And then now you launch Ben Women. Okay. That's pretty cool. Tell me about that. It's awesome because it doesn't take away from Ben and it doesn't take away from women's ad. It's that space where you you're living it too, right? Black women are not a monolith, right? And having that space where sometimes you just need to breathe. Right. Um, I love that our calls start with how you doing today, black woman? Not just how are you doing? We gonna we gonna call out that you are that beautiful black princess who woke up this morning. And regardless of how hard life is, regardless of what your last meeting was like, genuinely black woman, how are you doing? And I still get chills saying it. I still get chills hearing it because there are so, like you said, that we wear so many hats. I lovingly say they're different wigs because I don't look good in hats. But um, <laughs> there's so many things we take off and take and put on all through the day, depending on the call or your audience, the, the podcast or the, the corporate meeting, right? And there's this almost even more protected space where we can just sit and, and talk and be. And we get that support from our Black brothers. Um, And then we get to kind of go into this this conversation of what can we do to model what uniquely sometimes we don't get at home or what we don't intentionally put forth for ourselves. And um, I'm going to keep quoting Paul because we keep dragging him into stuff. Um, We still have, we have Michael Anthony coming to third. I got to say his whole name, put some respect on it. We have Mr. Jawan Graves. Those are the four of us that make up the presidency of um, Black Employees Network at Amazon. But Paul introduced us in Ben Women as we had our opening ceremony. And something I love that I honestly wouldn't have even said myself, and I'm pretty good with words. Um, Paul said that it's infamous that behind every Black man is a strong Black woman. And he said, but I want to echo that behind every strong Black woman, there should be a man to have her back. Mm. And um, it feels good to know that we can have both of these spaces. We can equally yoke being all of these things. Um, and then we also get to like show is a trend example. Not to say we want to splinter all the ERGs, but there's there's something I'm, I'm biased. I think I can say that it's my life. It's my lived experience. There's something so special and beautiful about black women that this country still can understand. And I think about like the Angela Bassett Oscars moments, right, where you know what you're worth and people want you to just be happy that you're in the room. Right. And it's cool to have the room where everyone knows their worth. And we're not going to let you leave this room forgetting that. Yes, yes, absolutely. I, I, I love it. And I think, you know, the conversation of intersectionality around this is very important. Um, I, I have a book where I focused on immigrant women. And I know one of my challenges when I was interviewing people, I kept feeling like, oh, is it wrong to say women? Should I be saying all immigrants? Like, you know, you want to, I was like, oh, should I bring some men in? But I feel like it's different. And if you feel like there's a space that is needed for a group, it's because there is, you know, then curate it. And the people that need it will get the help they need, you know, instead of trying to dilute everything. Um, it's just like even the conversations around ERGs, like, well, do we need an ERG for every ethnicity? Uh, do we really need a black ERG or do we just need a people of color ERG? I was like, it depends on your organization, but I think one of the most important ERGs is Black ERG, and we all know why that is. It's because race is a huge aspect of this conversation. You know, you can't say, oh, we're not about race. 
we're about inclusion for all, there are certain groups that need to be called out separately. And I want to, I want to like echo what you just said, because inversely, anytime a new ERG comes out, and if I could just be honest, I'm going to keep it real, um, individuals of the majority, um, I'll say it like that, are like, you know, damn, they got another one. Like, why do they need so many? And there was a conversation. It wasn't at work, but it was like a circle among friends. And I feel like this is a great space to share this wisdom. But anytime you see a multicultural organization, we can say it's church, it could be a school, it could be work, and you're multicultural, which means you have all of the pieces of the puzzle, and then you see pop-ups of people getting together in their own community. One, it's beautiful, but if you're of the majority, it should make you check yourself. What am I not offering that all of these beautiful people feel safer together? And so it's it's almost one of those things that if if you keep seeing and I have to, I feel like I feel the need of my soul to say this because there's always that one person I won't say it's a group but there's always gonna be one we'll call that one Bob and if you're listening to your Bob I don't mean you but why do they need this space it's like HBCUs right and I I saw you clap when I said I went to one um, people still today are like why do they need those well let's let's go back to 1860 something. And let's discuss why Lincoln University had to be established because Mizzou wouldn't let black people into their law degree program. And it's not to echo or to continue a segregation, but some people don't, like I said, when we started this call off, you don't always know who to trust to your left or your right. And if that's not obvious in the circumstance that you're in, you are gonna you are gonna collectively come together because where are you naturally gonna feel safe? Right, and I, and I think the the thing you know if you are of the majority and the groups are popping up and you're feeling resentful, that's kind of where the checks you should see it as an opportunity. You know, this is an opportunity for you to learn more. You know, the the feeling shouldn't be why are they popping up. The feeling is oh okay now I've got a single space where I can go educate myself. I can do my work in my own space. And I think traditionally the workplace, especially corporate organizations, have kept everything under this giant umbrella of let's all be professional. And because of that, the people suffering are the ones that keep suffering, right? So there is always going to be that resistance and and that, you know, push from different people that we don't need it. And depending on the organization, so primarily the people I'm talking to are working in global corporations, as I said. So it even makes this even more important because it's different cultures, different ethnicities, different everything. And if we don't acknowledge that, we're not acknowledging people's individuality. Um, And so there's always going to be that affinity need, right? If we don't come together in a space where we are safe and we can be ourselves, we can give all of ourselves to the job we're doing. Uh, So um, it it takes time and is in phases. So thank you so much for the work you do. Um, I feel like I just let you talk because you're already dropping so many things around the values that you've gotten from this ERG as well as informing people um, on some of the ways that they can leverage the group. But is there anything you want to add just from your experience with ERGs or for anybody that is listening? So two parts, anybody that is working at a company and maybe identifies with some of the initial struggles that you had, um, what are some ways that they can you know, get the support in, in the corporate company? Um, I would I would say one is a double-edged sword. So I'll, I'll have a, an answer 1A and 1B. 
Um, I am 100%, of course, because I'm, I'm co-president of one. I love affinity groups. I love employee resource groups. Like, it's, it's a place, once again, to commune. And then there's a place for, like, come get warm by the fire because you, you can't live or you can't empathize with something you haven't lived. And obviously, no one can turn their skin into any other color and automatically have that experience. So you have to listen and you have to you have to be okay being quiet. The, the, the problem with privilege is some people don't know how to be quiet in a room. And there are things that you can't just hop into a conversation and give your two cents in because your, your opinion isn't always a fact. And lived experience is data. So I, I would say that step number one is, is join. And someone asked me on a previous um, podcast, what would you say to like white people who want to be part of them, but they don't know how, or they're uncomfortable. And I, I love how they worded that because let's be fair, it is going to be uncomfortable if you're not the person of the, of the majority of the group, but it's uncomfortable being black in America every day. And I'm right. out of being black in America. So if you if you are truly wanting to be an ally, you got to be comfortable being permanently uncomfortable, and it'll get easier. But there's always going to be, unfortunately, there's always going to be a Tyree Nichols. Right. There's always going to be a Tamar. And so what we want to do is like, hey, I'm sorry, Tamir. There's always going to be a Tamir Rice, and you have to be comfortable knowing that you don't have the answers, and we're not blaming you just because we're mad. Mm. And I think another part of the ERG is don't establish what you're not going to fund. I can be black for free on my weekends. <laughs> so if it's not about paying the people, although I would appreciate it, um, at least give the organization money to do what you're expecting them to do for free anyway. So if you're going to start an ERG of any sort, have something in your OP1, something in your financial planning that says, hey, I don't even, I don't just want you to get together. Lola, I don't want you to just do a podcast. I want you to get Oprah. Here's your money to get Oprah because this is important to me. Black people have seen money that's been around you us. speak Oprah? <laughs> I, I'm speaking into existence. Yes, ma'am. Oprah's, Oprah's going to be manifested. We, we calling it in. But black people have seen wealth spent and flourish around us since we got brought over here on a boat. So if all of a sudden I'm important to you in 2023, I want to see some of them coins. Absolutely. And and I think that's why I'm a little cautious about the whole conversation around pay ERG leaders, pay ERG leaders. And I was like, it's easy to throw money at an ERG leader and say we're doing a good job. But that's just one of many. What about funding the initiatives? I'll take funding the initiatives over pay two ERG leaders $5,000 and then don't support them. Right. <laughs> so um, pay ERG is, is kind of um, uh, an interesting strategy, but um, I, I really love I, I almost feel like we, we need a part two at some point. Um, thank you for the work you're doing, Charita, personally and also on yourself, because I know, you know, leading an ERG, leading all these initiatives, um, it takes a lot out. So thank you for being vulnerable. Thank you for sharing that. And Let's do a final question. I will share details on why, where people can get connected with you and learn more and follow along with the amazing work you're doing at Amazon. So what is one food that you would share with your coworkers if you could? And why did you make that choice? A food that represents your culture or something um, different. Why did you make that choice? Okay, I will say that I don't know how to make this food. I don't know how to make it. I could eat well, it. Then I can come over and have it. <laughs> but, I mean, if we can learn together, I got you. Um, indole. It's, it's a Cameroonian dish. It's, uh, it's, it's stewed nuts 
It's got bitter spinach leaves. It's got some peanut in it. It um, it's spicy, but like it's black people spicy. Like I might get teary eyed, but I'm gonna keep eating it. Um, and then you can add whatever protein you want. But when I had it um, at a friend's house, it had shrimp in it, and I'm I'm a huge seafood person. You can make it with salmon, bass, halibut, whatever. But shrimp was that of the day, and I would share that with my coworkers. One because it's not something that you could just go to McDonald's and get. Mm. Um, it exposes you to another culture. Right. Um, it makes you look up where is Cameroon in Africa because Africa is not a country; it's a continent. Yes. <laughs> so it's, it's a one-stop shop of conversations. It's ethnically based. It has a culture that it represents, and it's not something you can eat quickly. It makes you savor mm. every single piece of this bite, and I feel like mm. it speaks to being black. And I don't want to—I don't want to confuse being African and being black. But like it, it shows how many layers that are in our people in this dish. Yeah. And I once again, that. it's it's amazing. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And I love the fact that you just explained you eat it slowly. So it helps to, you know, you're killing multiple birds with one stone. It's the conversation. It's educating people about culture and, and being a conversation starter. So thank you so much, uh, Charita, for chatting with me. I am looking forward to following up. And if you check the show notes you see details about connecting with charita and, and following all the work she's doing all right take care your blessing thank you thank you for joining me lola ademo for these important conversations about the global world of work please rate and review this podcast wherever you get your podcast And don't forget to share our weekly episodes with your communities and co-workers. For more resources and upcoming events, visit our website www.thrivinginintersectionality.com and join our LinkedIn group, Thriving in Intersectionality. Additional links and resources are listed in the show notes of this episode. Thank you.